Josue Pavone by my side and Bobby's the back. first garden report in a minute. Yep, I'm back from Las Vegas. Josue joined his summer out there. John and Jimmy taking the day off. So we're going to catch up with some Celtics happenings. And there's quite a bit, not only out at Summer League, which we'll get to in a little bit. Celtics wrap up their regular season out there 3-1, and one, uh, looking dominant against the Grizzlies once again. Two tough teams to finish out Summer League, and they beat both handily uh, behind some strong performances from rookie J.D. Davison, uh, Juwan Beggarin looking like he's made strides. It's uh, Justin Jackson joining for these last two and dominating. Uh, so a pretty good summer league squad out there in Vegas once again, even though there weren't many high-profile roster players on the team this year. Uh, it, injuries as well. Matt Ryan, Sam Hauser not playing these last two. So impressive stuff all around. I thought Ben Sullivan did a good job coaching the team, but we'll get to all of that. The big implications on the Celtics are the two offseason moves that look like they're going to be the brunt of what the Celtics are doing this offseason. Malcolm Brogdon, Danilo Gallinari officially joined the team earlier this week, did their opening press conference at our back center. Joe Sway was on the call. I was as well. Uh, and they had quite a bit to say, not only about what their fit will be on the roster, their aspirations joining Boston, but also their interactions with teammates and all the rest. But what was your biggest takeaway from the presser, if you had a point to one thing, Joe Sway? At the point of one thing, I guess the overall focus, Bobby, you know, the fact that there's the, the, the goal is to win a championship, you know, the, the talk about Marcus Smart and, you know, how those two are going to work things out in the backcourt between him and Brockton. I, I just think Malcolm said all the right things in the sense of he's here to add and not to, you know, disrupt what's been going on. And I thought what Brad Stevens had to say was was um, was pretty telling, too, as well, when he was asked about uh, future signings and. Uh, having that flexibility, having the okay from the, from the higher ups, but he's not going to try to uh, add by you know what was the exact quote? Was it adding uh, by subtraction or, or something to that effect? Yeah, he's not. He's only going to look to add, not take away. Yeah, from the group, I, I which... thought that was a that was a perfect way to put it because uh, when you look at the deals he's pulled off, or the one deal in particular along with the signing, I think he addressed a lot of those concerns that we saw uh, throughout the course of the NBA Finals, and that's secondary production, right? Scoring. Uh, someone that can uh, distribute as well, like Malcolm Brogdon, defense. I mean, he does check those boxes. And someone who can score on his own, put the ball on the floor, and, and produce off the bench, and Danilo Gallinari, a veteran, you know, another case of someone who hasn't played for a championship or hasn't been in that situation in quite some time, and, and now they are. So I, I think that you walk away from that press conference um, thinking, feeling pretty good about the Celtics as a core. You know, uh, I don't know if Brad's going to add a, a, another piece that would – fill out E-Mage rotation. But I do think moving forward that this is a good core, a good place to start for this. If you're the Celtics, I mean, you can't ask for a much better offseason than this. Yeah, and Brogdon did discuss a lot of the questions about his role. It does sound like he's going to come off the bench, which I pretty much assumed. I talked to Ime out at Summer League as well, and he essentially pointed to his starters being the same as last year. So I don't think that's a huge surprise either. We're such a dominant group last year that I don't think you want to break that up, mess with the chemistry of the group. And as Steven said, when he talks about taking away, I think that means from a chemistry perspective as well as from a roster standpoint, obviously they haven't given up any of their rotation players to make these improvements. Uh, but Brogdon did sound okay with that role, coming here, sacrificing a little bit personally to win. He said they're all going to have to sacrifice, and he hasn't come off the bench in an NBA game since 2018. So it's been quite a while that he's had the starting front line role on a team, running pick and roll, basically with the ball in his hands quite a bit there in Indiana. And he talked about how it didn't go that well. They were competing in Milwaukee, but outside of that one year that they made the playoffs there with the Pacers, that they looked like contenders in the bubble. This hasn't been a good Pacers team that he's been on. So that certainly changed his mindset here. But I do still wonder... How it's going to go between those two, Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart. They're both going to play together quite a bit. I assume that backcourt's going to be their closing backcourt. And he and Smart are a better fit together because Brogdon can shoot. I think the trouble with White and Smart was that both of those guys were really streaky shooters. Brogdon can get off the ball and is one of the more effective catch-and-shoot three guys in the league. So that's what works good about this one. I just wonder if it's going to... It become trouble if, say, Smart's struggling from the field for an extended stretch or he's kind of in a rut and people start clamoring for Brogdon to start and there's a little bit of butting heads there. And yeah, that's the always going to be happening, back... Bobby, though. You know that. <laughs> yeah, but it's different this time because you have a sure-fired starter 
off the bench here in Brogdon. White, I guess you could say, had some starting pedigree, but it wasn't really to the point where people were going to be clamoring for him to start, especially when he started struggling himself. Uh, This one, though, is different in that the characterization that someone made to Woj, I don't know who it was, but Bontemps followed it up too, is that this was their attempt to get a true playmaking real point guard whatever you want to call it I still find that so interesting because if he's coming off the bench or if he's sort of off the ball I don't know how he's going to impact the team in that way there's some ways that he can help the offense certainly here but when you say we're going to get this true playmaking guard you would think that he's going to be in a big role right and I think that's exactly what this is though right I mean whether he's finishing games or whether he's averaging 32 30 he's going to be averaging starter starters minutes right and I think that that just makes the Celtics a much tougher team, especially on the defensive end, especially if he's closing out games or in, in, in games where he's hot and you want to keep him on the floor. You may have got plenty of flexibility here with someone like Brogdon, and he's not going to let you down on the defensive end. So I think it's huge. I think it's a, it's a, it's it's clearly the the biggest move Brad's made this offseason. And I also think that, you know, you also have to keep your options open in the sense that maybe there's a window where he misses a lot of games, you know. So I, I think there's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, it's been the, the the pattern of his career. But having those two guys to to, to master that or or to be the, the head guys of, 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 you know, leading a team, leading the offense, I, I think it's good. I really do. I mean, people can say what they want about Marcus and what happened last year, this past season, but I don't think anyone can say that he didn't. Uh, at least overachieve or at least surprise most people by the by the by that run you know people can say what they want about Tatum and Brown but Marcus Smart was really important in that postseason run you know I I think in the NBA finals things dropped you know the production dropped consistency dropped for sure however overall he made humongous strides in in his very first year as the starting the the starting point guard and and I think there's a lot to be said that should be said about that because I think he's going to build on that you know, this isn't the end. I still think Marcus Smart will continue to get better at that point guard position. And, and someone like Brogdon, Brogdon adding that pressure, and I don't mean the pressure of, oh, you're going to lose your job to this guy if you don't keep it together. No, I mean, he'll he'll be able to apply that pressure uh, throughout the course of, the, of, of this entire season, this upcoming season, because he'll be, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy who's going to give you tough defense in practice. He's also someone that's going to make you better in the sense of, of his veteran, uh, of his veteran uh, background. And also, they sort of cut from the same cloth, right? You know, they sort of have that same chip on their shoulder, trying to prove everyone wrong or, or going out there and having that same two-way style where someone like Brogdon does have a bit of an advantage on the offensive end, but Marcus Martin is still the defensive player of the year. So I love it. I really do. But yeah, Having both it's of these guys on, on, the, on the same roster, man, it's, it's huge if you're Ime Udoka. And, and I think it just it's, it's perfect for what he's – for his philosophy and for what he believes in. It's hard to hate it. You don't give up much. The pick, the pick's the pick. We've talked about picks for three years now on this show. So you didn't give up much and you add. And it seems like these guys are going to slide right into their roles comfortably. Brogdon's saying he's going to try to push smart. But he's looking to add and not shake the boat on a team that's already worked, as he said in the opening presser here. And Jay King did catch up with smart. We haven't heard a ton from through this whole process, but he does uh, tell the athletic that he loved the deal, adding two veteran guys who can feed off each other, who can rotate and help the team in multiple ways. I think it's going to fit perfect. No, no one of us will have all the pressure of running the team. We're doing this together. So a complimentary piece in Brogdon coming in. I just wonder if he plays really well, if Smart's struggling, what becomes of that? That's where I think it gets a little tricky because you do effectively at that point have, uh, five, six starting caliber players on this team. It's a really deep, interchangeable team, though. And right. we've talked about Horford. He can kind of be the odd man out for rest if necessary. And I think that'll be the most uh, amicable way to handle guys moving in and out of the lineup is saying, all right, we're going to sit Al Horford down for a game and you know you let him rest. And maybe at that point, Brogdon, Smart, Tatum, Brown, and uh, – Rob or yeah, Rob are yeah. going to be the starting lineup in those cases. And Brad did talk about that at the press. He said, we want to have the ability to play smaller this year, uh, going to some of those more versatile lineups rather than going double big as they did for most of last year, whether it was Tice or Grant or some of these other guys. In fact, they also said, if we want to swing it over to Danilo Gallinari at this point, we haven't. I was just about to about. say, man, you better take the words out of my mouth. Like that's a guy yeah, who I think he could play some five. Impress. 
he could play some five, he could play the four, you know, he, he can address those sort of interchangeable lineups that, that he may can, can survive without someone like Al Horford, you know, maybe give him the night off or maybe like someone like Danilo Gallinari playing multiple positions coming off the bench who can score. I, I think that's an advantage for him to use in, in nights like that. When you want to rest uh, Al Horford, I know the athletic has already reported that um, going into next season, I believe it was Jared, actually Jared Weiss who said, um, they're, they're planning on not having him play on the second night of back-to-back, sort of monitoring his minutes. And I think that's 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 what you should do. You know, this was a huge, uh, this is a deep uh, run that the Celtics just came are coming off of, and um, Al had a lot to do with that. He, he certainly racked up a lot of uh, a lot of minutes throughout that postseason, and he he was too he was terrific. You know, I mean, he stepped this game up. Uh, you know, shot fifty percent from from behind the arc or close to it. Shot fifty percent from inside the arc. You know, uh, all of his numbers across the boards went up. And you want to have that sort, of, that same sort of um, uh, cushion, or that same sort of uh, someone that you can rely on in the postseason, you know, for next year. For next year. So Gallinari, I've been torn on it. There were obviously other wings, more defensive guys, younger options, uh, more higher uh, scoring upside options, possibly if you believed in TJ Warren. I know you were a fan of him, just way, right? So I was, yeah. We, we were all looking elsewhere. I don't think anyone on the show, I don't think anyone really covering the Celtics was looking at Gallinari and saying, that's the guy. You know, that's your backup wing. This is the well, guy. Well, he was no one's first choice. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, he was no so one's I first guess choice. So I guess what works here is he really wanted to come here. He was willing to take that mid-level. He had a bigger option in Chicago, I guess, that he turned down to come to Boston. That's well and good. And he's a shooter. So my guy, Bruce Brown, he wasn't going to bring much as a three-point option. As space for spacing. All right, right. Things that were going to help Tatum and Brown specifically playing off of them. This guy's a phenomenal shooter. So that's what you love first and foremost, is that this guy's giving you 38, 39, 40% shooting from three over 14 years. It's went down a little bit last year. Last year was probably his most inefficient year of his career. Started to see some of his age, some of his decline. Uh, but moving into a secondary role where I guess he'll give you, what, 20-ish minutes a night here, playing four and five position rather than on the wing. There's some real spacing potential here. But just like with the broad and smart thing, it's like, what are you getting more out of? Grant Williams at that kind of spot? Or Gallinari, who defensively, I think people are going to learn pretty quickly, is a disaster on that end of the floor. So that's where I get torn on this, is that he's not an ideal fit on this roster for the style of basketball that they want to play. And that almost makes me think, this is why they're talking about him at the five, because they don't want him out on the perimeter defending guys. They want his height, length, and strength in the interior, maybe in a drop defense, rather than chasing guys around the perimeter at this age. Yeah, I think it's more about addressing the like like we just talked about, you know, just the the, the flexibility that of putting someone like that who, yeah, he's not going to give you a whole much on the defensive end, but they're not going to leave him wide open on the opposite end, right? So I, I think that's that's where you, you wanted to address, right? That's that that was the main point of signing someone like that because it, that's what the Celtics were missing. I mean, outside of Game One in the NBA Finals, guys like Derek White who had a huge game, but you know, outside of that, you needed some secondary scoring, and, and I, I think you have that. In Gallinari, he's going to put up double digits. I think you know he's going to average double digits in points. He's going to continue to you know apply pressure on opposing defenses. And in the secondary role, that's even better, especially for someone in, in, in this stage of his career. Um, I like also what he had to say, you know, about winning a championship. And uh, he was a Celtics fan growing up. I had no idea. Did you know about this, Bobby? I didn't know he grew up a Celtics no. fan. His dad was a huge Larry Bird guy, so I'm like, oh, we'll say less. I mean, that's how you. Uh, that's how you were raised a Celtics fan, and, and that's the case with Danilo Gallinari. And if you're a Celtics fan, you know right now watching this, you can't help but wonder, man, he has a soft spot for the Celtics. He's gonna he's gonna give it all he got, he, and this could be his last chance or one of his last chances to to, to compete for a championship. Right, we want to take a quick pause, tell you about our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use that promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action once again. 
again. That's betonline.ag, promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey, coming from Las Vegas, I'm in. Sherrod Blakely is in the building. What's up, Sherrod? How you doing? Hey, you guys, you guys can hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. noise in the background, but not too bad. Could be worse. I'm just catching a little Detroit-Cleveland game, seeing the, the Bayheim boys do their thing. Um, what up, know? though? You're such a Detroit guy. Still. You know that, man. You know that, man. You know this. <laughs> no, um, we, we actually, after the game, just, just kind of give you a recap. We, we talked to Yuan, uh, 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 the, the French uh, wing, who I think is going to be – he looks really good. He's been low-key really good in some of the – uh, we also talked to J.D. Davidson mid-game for him, 28-10. And, yeah, we talked about just his comfort level. And what he's been doing pretty much after every game is watching a lot of film and focusing on himself, figuring out what does he need to do better. Uh, the big thing for him is just taking command in the huddle, making sure his voice is heard. Because he has been, for the most of his career, a guy that leads by example. But now he's understanding he's got to lead with his words as well as his, his walk. So uh, shout out to J.D. had a hell of a game today. So we, we'll get to the Summer League stuff now. We were just kicking around Brogdon and Gallinari. We talked That's about those guys out there in Summer League, Sherrod. But there are three back spots open on the roster right now. Maybe these Summer League guys could fill in those rotation spots. you got a two-way deal right now. And a number of guys have stood out. You mentioned Jawan. Still a little young, still a little raw, but he's played well. I started slow in this game today and picked it up big time down the stretch. Fondu Cabangele has been sensational, I thought, start to finish. I think a lot of people are excited about him possibly providing some uh, depth on the big man spot on this squad. Davison, standout today, and he's only gotten better as this summer league has progressed. He's already on that two-way deal, but he said he's going to be trying to compete for roster spot here as well. And then Justin Jackson coming back uh, at practice for the last three games out here. So do you think any of these guys, obviously Hauser signed, Matt Ryan has that amazing second game against Milwaukee and shot 10 and 19 before he got hurt. He was on the two-way deal. And then throw Broderick Thomas out there as well, who I think has been excellent through all these games. Yeah, there's up and down this roster, options to possibly fill out this actual Celtics roster. Which ones stand out to you? Well, I, I think Fondu. Fondu is a guy that has really stood out to me because, first of all, he's a guy that at one point was one of the best players coming into the league at his position, former first-round pick. And he's a guy that I think can absolutely gives him a different dimension at the center spot. And that's what you really want if you're the Boston Celtics. You want to have as many options as possible to go in, in a lot of different directions. Brad Stevens talked about that when he when he uh, introduced at the introductory press conference with Brogdon and Danilo about how having those guys gives him more versatility when they go small ball lineup. So I think he's looking for more of the same with any additions that they make at this point. Yeah, and I got a chance to talk to him. Definitely felt like he had a chance to fill out this roster. That's why he played summer league with the Celtics after the Daniel Tice deal there. Uh, Seven rebounds, seven points today, blocking shots, three of them here. Uh, He shoots the three. Like He gives you a little bit of everything that you want at that position, I feel like. Uh, Although you have Luke Cornett mixed in there as well, Sherrod. We can't neglect his name. Luke who? Luke Cornett. Brad? Eme both talking about the trust they have in Cornette to possibly fill out that uh, backup five spot. Well, Bobby, did you see in the same sentence where they talked about him filling out the back? He also indicated, oh, by the way, we're probably going to have to add another big. <laughs> so that's the question. Are you bringing in two borderline NBA bigs at, at this point to fill out the depth behind Rob and Al? Because Kevin Gelly, as good as he's played here, he hasn't played a lot in the NBA yet, mostly G League. Cornette, same deal. He had that little run with the Celtics there in 2021. But neither of these guys, I think, can step into a spot start and make you feel really good about the Celtics if they're your starting center on any given night. There's still a bunch of veterans out there, Shrod. I don't know if you like Dwight Howard or Hassan Whiteside or any of these number of guys. The choices aren't great, but these are guys who like- started in the NBA. I don't want Whiteside. Give me anyone but Whiteside. He, he's one of the more fraudulent defensive bigs out there. He gets a lot of blocks, but what often gets lost in his game is the number of layups that guys are able to get on him all game long. I don't I don't want him. Now, Dwight Howard, eh, 
I think about it as, as my third slash fourth center. Yeah, I think about it. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is another name that you're going to hear floated out there. Um, but I, I think if you're the Celtics, as much as you like what you're saying, they're fond of and, 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 you know, and, and Williams, I think you do need to have a veteran player as that number three center if you're going to have a legitimate shot at going as far as you went this past season or take that next step and you know win a couple more games and get the chip. Yeah, and they did say they'd be willing to spend, so you wonder what TPE options could factor in there as well. You got, like, Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, Jakob Pertl as the Spurs start to rebuild here. You don't know how many more picks I think Stevens is going to be throwing out the door because those are guys that I think will cost you future first-round pick capital to go get. Uh, Brad's they are with that. All right, so that, that might be the way to go. Yeah, this is this is the he is the one eighty degree version of Danny Ainge when it comes to draft picks. You know, Danny he, Danny doesn't want to talk to you unless you're talking a couple picks coming his way. Brad's like, okay, what y'all need? Late first round in twenty twenty seven, okay, twenty twenty five, okay. Because it, Brad, to me, it, it, and again, you know, he, Brad, I just get the feel that feeling that Brad wants to win right now. And he's willing to uh, he's willing to give you whatever it takes from a first round pick perspective to do that. But he's mindful that I still need to develop young players. That's why you got guys like you want second round pick who's probably going to be ready to play in the NBA within the next year or two. You get a guy like Yam Madar who we we haven't obviously seen with summer league because he's not with the team. But that's wow! Guy imagine if he was on the team, would have been four right. and zero. Right. Right, and then you look at the guys that again, you know, that we're talking about like Fondu and and you know JD. Uh, it's clear that they're balancing that that need to develop young talent with the reality that we're not going to rely on those late first round picks necessarily to be that catalyst to bring about change and to elevate and develop talent. So, I mean, Brad, and I've said this before, I said this on our podcast uh, last week, an A-list podcast, that I think Brad, the GM, is better than Brad, the coach. And Brad, the coach, is a hell of a, was, was really good. But Brad, the GM, seems to have a more have a better impulse and instinct for what to do, making all the right decisions, even if they may not necessarily make a ton of sense initially. So um, I like Brad the GM to begin it a lot better than Brad the coach. And again, I like Brad the coach. I love Brad the GM, though. Yeah, and you look at these summer league teams he's put together two years in a row. I don't think this one had a lot of hype coming in, but Kevin Gallay, Jackson coming in, who played for the Celtics on that hardship exemption contract and looked good. The two two-way guys, whether it's Tom, Thomas or Ryan, uh, you were obviously talking to scouts who were very impressed with Ryan and looks like he could get a deal, whether it's Boston or somewhere else. So that's Stevens, too, and his staff there. They're bringing in some good you know, mid-tier, lower-tier NBA guys who are really fighting for their shot right now. We didn't mention Travion Williams either, who showed out but wasn't quite on that level of Kevin Gelly. 11 and 11 here, though, which is nothing to scoff at. Three assists, running full court in transition. This is obviously the guy I was most excited about coming in. I feel like he kind of lost that battle to Kevin Gelly. Kevin Gelly, just more experience, more defensive versatility. Uh, the shot helps as well. William's not really a shooter. But whether it's in Boston or elsewhere, I feel like Travion really showed out here and uh, did a lot of good things that project well toward him making the league somewhere else. I don't think it's going to be Boston at this point, just given what Kevin Gelly did here and the other bigs that could get involved for that role. But it's good to see a guy with the Celtics prove his worth in this league. Well, the, the difference between those two guys, I think the most significant difference, is that you know is a better impact player like when he's out there he doesn't have to necessarily score his he's kind of like a poor man's version of robert williams as far as able to control the paint and make teams think twice about going into the paint whereas travion is just a great facilitator to me he's more like a a, um, a watered down version of al horford uh when he gets the ball in the elbow you know he's thinking about passing, but if you really lock in on him looking to pass, he can still get your bucket at the rim. So I think they're two different types of players, but I would say Fondu has made a, a more significant and notable impact. And to be candid, he feels, I think, a greater need for the Celtics than, than Travion because Travion, again, great facilitator, decent score around the basket. They kind of have a couple guys who can do that, but is there someone that can give them that defensive presence to make teams think twice about going to the paint? Other than Rob Williams... The Celtics really don't have a guy like that. And so that's what I, I think Fondu might have the edge in terms of finding his way onto the Celtics roster. Yeah. Josue, we got you. You, you were kind of, yeah, we don't, we still don't have your audio. We're going to try to get Josue back in here at some point. Are you point. talking about Josue? So wait, yeah. so let me get this straight. 
you can hear me okay from Vegas, but we can't hear Joe Sway from damn Rocky. It's damn, been a Joe battle. Sway. It's been a battle Brock getting the Wi-Fi strikes again. Damn, Brockton Wi-Fi strikes again. It's been a banner day for Brockton Wi-Fi. Yeah, we still don't have your audio, Joe Sway. Is he is he um, muted? But- be- Could be muted. I don't know, but now <laughs> seems like as good a time. Now seems like as good a time as any. I don't know. You've been out there in you've been out there in Vegas. Sherrod, I still don't, I don't know if you've gotten your shipment yet, but mine arrived weeks ago. And uh, one of our newest sponsors here in the Garden Report is Athletic Greens. Good fit for the Celtics. You know, yes, yes. What are you gonna say, Sherrod? I, I, I actually, I, I did get mine. I did get mine, and and I, I've been um, I it came shortly before I left for Vegas, so I haven't had a chance to, to dig into it. But man, um, I tell you what, the packaging is smooth, man. I mean, it, 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 it's really, really good. So I'm excited to get back and you jump into that. Well, I'll tell you, we both just lived that Vegas lifestyle, whether it was the food, whether it was the beverages, or just the late nights out there. And if you want to get your body back on the right track, um, you know, me, my mom, a bunch of family members have been trying this out daily. And it's just a great tasting, uh, tropical flavor that gets you back to your nutrients. Vitamin D, a bunch of other different supplements are in here. 75 high-quality vitamins are what you're getting in Athletic Greens. It's whole food source ingredients, probiotics, which is good for your gut, uh, You know, helps your, helps your digestive tract. There's just a lot of good stuff in here that you can go check out on their website. And again, it tastes really good. You just mix it with some water every morning. You drink it. You get some travel packs here. There's some nice... Uh, you know, different cases, containers, bottles that you can drink it in, carry it on the go. It's just a great product. And even before I got it, people were raving about this online. They were like, you just got Athletic Greens. I've seen that in the stores. Like, how can I get some of that? And they got a great offer for you. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition with just one scoop, as I said, in your water every morning. That's it. Get you feeling right, get you energetic, and get you the nutrients you need to get through your day every day. And you know, get on the right course diet-wise, body-wise, nutrition-wise. It's a great place to start, along with exercise and everything else you get to do today. You know, get in your summer shape, Sherrod. No need for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, five free travel packs with your first purchase. So they're going to wow. make it worth your while to get wow. in on the Athletic Greens. Yep. Damn, yeah, and as I said, we, we just got a bunch of them. We've been enjoying them every morning. It's easy. You don't even really have to think about it. So go over to Athletic Greens dot com slash garden athleticgreens.com slash garden to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and you know you look up that vitamin d uh treatment that they're going to give you there it's a it's expensive stuff so to give you a one-year supply of that uh, with your deal here is just an incredible deal with the travel packs no brainer you could have taken it out to vegas Sherrod, with those travel packs so we'll we'll get that set up for next year and for the road for this next season again Absolutely. all our viewers here you've been supporting calm and some of our other sponsors here on the show it's a huge help to the garden report huge help to our ability to get out there to vegas and these other road trips that cover the team so athleticgreens.com slash garden go try it out Great stuff. Really been enjoying it. And we'll continue with some Summer League stuff here. The headliner today, Sherrod, J.D. Davison, who I think more than anything else, his biggest concern coming to the league was his ability to get his shot off. Struggled from the field immensely in his one year at Alabama. And even coming into today, I believe he was shooting few, less, less than uh, 30% from the field for the Celtics here. And he just went off, hitting seven of his first eight shots, getting to the basket, hitting his threes, which he didn't do incredibly well earlier in the schedule and at Alabama last year. So this is the stuff you really wanted to see for him to be able to take that next step. We knew he was a good defender. We knew he was a good passer. Could he get his shot off and score and be a threat in that area? And today he was an incredible threat, one that we just took this game over from the start. Yeah, well, well, that was the one thing when he watched himself on on film that jumped out was that he was passing up a lot of really good shots, Uh, shots that he knows that he can make. And and today was just a very, it was a completely different story. 
he was aggressive. He was assertive. He, he made his voice heard in terms of just getting guys where they need to be. And most important, he made an impact at both ends of the floor. His defense, I thought, was a little bit better today than we saw. I thought he, he did a really good job of getting in the passing lanes a couple times, making some things happen in that, in that respect. And I think he had like three steals. Wow. So this was an all-around great J- It's everywhere, man. That's how we work. That's Detroit. how they roll in Detroit. You know this. Is that, a, is that Detroit? Is that Detroit Hatch ride? Are you are you in there as a fan? Today? No. Summer league, baby. Oh, Summer god, right. that's a Pistons hat, man. Like, man. <laughs> Summer league, baby. Don't start trouble, Joe. So you got, now you got your Brockton Wi-Fi back. Now you're gonna come in and start trouble. Come on, nah, now. Vegas messed Damn. me up. Go ahead. Damn. All right, we got you. Sure. Let's get Joe Sway in on the conversation here. I don't know how much you've caught so no, far, Joe Sway, but I was just what, gonna, what are you liking out of this team? Don't say that, Zana's comment. I caught all of it. No, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, everything that Gerard said, I think is spot on about Davidson because the thing is that the confidence I felt like was going to come naturally, but we're not quite sure how. You know, it's summer league. You know, it takes guys a couple of games to really get comfortable. But man, today I felt like the way he was being, the way he blew by defenders with ease. And was able to attack the paint. I, I thought spoke volumes, and then he wasn't overthinking in, in, in his attack. Right, he's getting to the free throw line. He was he was not afraid to take take that three point shot. What was he four for six? Yeah, four for six from from three. I mean, he looked he looked tremendous. And I think maybe if Matt Ryan is out there, or you know, other guys are who 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 he typically turns to 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 for, to, to, to stack up those assists the way he did the double double that he did. You know, I think that sort of helped him in his way of, of, of taking matters into his own hands on offense and picking his spots when to score and when to uh, when to pass the ball. I, th- I thought he looked great. Yeah, I don't think you could have expected much better from him out here. I mean, to have this game, to lead the Summer League in assists as he now does, 31 assists in four games, impressive stuff there, getting on the boards. His size at that position stands out, and I think that's the biggest hope for him making it in this league is that he does bring some high-level height and length to that position. He's blocking shots at the basket. Uh, just incredible stuff out there that projects well to fit in in the system. Obviously, you got the three guards in front of him, Foley and White, uh, Brogdon as well as Smart there. But if this goes well for him up in Maine, which is where I assume he's going to start, and he's killing it up there, you could see him pushing Pritchard a little bit. And I'm sure Pritchard is a guy who has some value around the league, who wants to get minutes consistently now in this role. Not going to get many, it feels like, with White being in that third slot off the bench, the secondary point guard. So if Davidson shines right away and he's still super young, super raw, has a long way to go in terms of developing his offense, you could see that making Pritchard, I think, a little more expendable if it goes well for Davidson up in Maine like, right away. And I'd love for him to have Cabin Gelly up there too because those two were connecting on lobs. Uh, the amount of lobs that Davidson was throwing to him and Williams throughout the schedule here was super fun to watch, super encouraging. Again, I don't think you could have expected better from Davidson here in his first summer league at this age. Yeah, I mean, the thing about uh, J.D. is that this is he had a great game. No one's taking that away from him, but it's going to take him time. It's going to take him time to consistency that you're going to absolutely have to have in a point guard. But this was a definite step in the right direction. Uh, again, I love the fact that he he was confident not only in his his play but also in his his, his verbal command of the game. That's something that he's because we him and I we talked about that he is someone who typically likes to lead by example, but knows that. He can't do that at that position at this level. He has to be more of a verbal communicator, uh, and I think he's getting comfortable doing that. But bottom line is this. He has to continue to make an impact, and he has to figure out how to do that in a positive way more times than not. That's a work in progress, but certainly this was a, a really good sign of what he was able to do today. You think he can fit in this year? It's all about no. how you respond to the That's the thing. And I... I when you look at guys like Bogdan and White and you know Marcus Smart, I'm like something would have to terribly go wrong for that to happen, in my opinion. Because I just think those guys are just too solid right now, you know. And that's a good position to be in if you're the Celtics. But looking forward, you know, within the near future, who knows? Maybe next season. It's all about how you respond to the G League, if you ask me. Um, and not to get Celtics fans uh, crazy excited or or wondering, man, is he going to be the next, you know? Whatever, but he did remind me a little bit of a young, young, young Terry Rozier. And now, look, Terry Rozier, in my opinion, the G League, that scary Terry year, that was all because of those reps in the G League. Now, this is best-case scenario, right? 
But I couldn't help but wonder if maybe Davidson has the same sort of year. But the biggest difference, I think, between 2018 and, and 2022 is there wasn't that much opportunity. I mean, there isn't, excuse me, there isn't that much uh, opportunity right now. Yeah. Right now, uh, compared to what the situation, what the situation was in 2018. I mean, the starting point guard and Kyrie Irving went down at that time. Right. So it obviously opened the door for more minutes for, for someone like Terry Rozier. And then once he got comfortable in the NBA, he became scary Terry. And, you know, you guys know how that story ended, but I, I couldn't help but, but think of Terry watching Davidson and, and then looking ahead and wondering how he's going to perform, uh, you know, in the, in the G league. But again, this is a completely different scenario in what the Celtics are and, and, and you know, where the organization is right now. Yeah, and at the very least, you're restocking the low-end prospect end of your roster here and actually have some prospects that are worth putting some time into here behind the scenes to develop, to be future pieces for this team. If you're not going to have first-round picks, and certainly Brad has traded three at this point, this is the stuff we've talked about. you got to find these diamonds in the rough late in the second round. There's more talent than ever. You get a guy like Williams be a great prospect if you could keep him around in Maine, possibly. I don't, I'm not counting on it, but these guys that they've brought in here to Summer League, they look like real rock-solid prospects outside Jackson, who's a little bit older and has been around at this point. Uh, these are guys you want to keep. These are guys you want to develop. These are guys that you want to play out, maybe even a full season in Maine. I don't think any Celtics have had the opportunity to play out like a full year in Maine, really, because of the fact that the pandemic shut down year one. Uh, of 2020 under under Brad there and then you had year two where you were gonna have to mix in some of these guys the two-way guys with the roster the whole time because COVID was floating around and you needed those emergency roster options and other guys just kind of dipped their toe up there whether it was Sam Hauser whoever else like I feel like the max guys the amount of games that any of the guys have played up there have been like 13 14 15 over recent seasons here so for a guy like JD for a guy like Kevin Gelly maybe or you know, anybody on this roster here to be able to play and gel together over the course of a full main season, that's that's excellent. I mean, we talk about how great it is to have a stable roster at the NBA level, which the Celtics seem to finally have here. That allows you to develop behind the scenes, too. And the best teams have done that. Golden State, Gary Payton, uh, you know, you've seen these other teams at the top of this game develop Simons in Portland. You know, some of these other guys, they've come up through their systems. And they've become great players by developing behind the scenes and then eventually breaking through. So that's how you sustain success here if you're Boston. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's it certainly when you look at the, what the moves that Brad is making and you look at the, the moves that Brad is not making, that seems to be the plan to find uh, non-traditional ways to develop your talent and not rely on just those late first-round picks. Uh, I don't know how much you guys talked about you on um, – uh, I was France, excited to. I, I, I think he he's got this. I think he's he's running the cusp of, of it, to me it's a coin toss as to whether you should bring him over now or let him stay over another year. Because athletically speaking, he may if he were on the roster right now, he might be the most athletic player. I mean, you think about Jalen Brown, who has off the charts athleticism. You he's not that far away from an athleticism standpoint to where Jalen was when he came into the league. Uh, I, and you could potentially make a case that he might be more athletic because he's got a little bit more muscle and build on him than Jalen did when he came into the league. So, and and again, when you look at their roster, there's a void behind Jalen and Jason at that wing that wing position. Uh, Justin Jackson, who I I think the Celtics they might want to think about that because uh, he's built really really good. But but Yuan is another guy that again you, when you talk about developing your talent, I remember watching him play last year in summer league. And where he's at now, light years ahead of where he was uh, last summer. And he talked a little bit about that, about just, frankly, just having a better sense of what to expect and how to perform and just being more confident. Uh, and, I, I, again, that's a guy that if you're the Celtics, you got to think long and hard about whether now is the right time to bring him over. I, I think you should probably keep him over there one more year and, and possibly bring Justin Jackson in. But, again, Brad, I, I can't really question Brad at this point because he's been rolling 7-Elevens damn near every decision he's made with this roster. So far, yeah, for sure. Well, what about the shooters, Rod? What about uh, Matt Ryan and, and Hauser? Has, uh, have, they, have they impressed you in a way that, that, that you would think that they have a shot to make the team? Matt has. Matt, Matt, Matt has been really good, even before the game winner. But you go back and you look at the first game or two of, of Summer League and just – not so much the shots going in, but the confidence that he has 
on the release. Uh, I, I talked to a couple scouts about that, and, and they they noted how he's a a good shooter with, with confidence. And a lot of times you have guys who can shoot the ball, but they don't necessarily have the confidence to be consistent with it, like if they miss a couple. But Matt's a guy that he, he can miss seven or eight in a row. And guess what? That ninth one, he's just as confident that ninth shot's going to go in as the first, the second, and third. And that's something that you don't see often with young shooters. Uh, but Matt Ryan, he's got that gift. Uh, it, this, but the Celtics, they've got to figure out how the hell they're going to put all these pieces together. Because you've got, I mean, you've got obviously one two-way contract. You've got Exhibit 10 as a possibility. You've got some exceptions. How are you going to put all that together? And how much of that are you going to devote to youth and development versus guys who can come in, hit the ground running, and help you win right now? Or at least give you the kind of depth behind guys. Um, so those are a lot of, again, Brad, he's got a lot of options that he's got to consider. But the good thing is, he's in such a rhythm with all his decisions. No one is really going to question whether he makes the right call. Because, again, he's been in such a great flow with making the right calls for what this team needs in order to compete. It's, it's hard to argue against whatever direction he goes in. Well, you said it best, I think, Sherrod. The worry that this becomes the next Max Strews here is real. And you have these restricted rights on him right now. He shoots the way he did there. Small sample, it's just two games. But I think you got to sign him up, you know, especially since he was here last year for this run. He's gotten comfortable on this roster. He's gelled with some of these guys. I think it's a lot to bring him back after what he did over the last couple of games here. So that's one spot. Uh, you got two more for a depth big. It does get a little tight there on the back end of the roster. And that probably leads, I think, to Juwan playing overseas one more year, as you said, Sherrod, there, especially because you want him to actually play. You don't want him just sitting on the bench. You know, wasting away there and going I mean, that's you, that's you, that's, but It's wasted money. I mean, to be candid yeah. with you, I mean, you can use that roster spot for a guy that can potentially help you. Um, yeah. Can actually play and help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, you mentioned Jackson, Broderick Thomas, and him. Probably a little bit of an open competition there for one more spot. You got the restricted rights with Thomas, which is helpful. Uh, I don't think, I think Davison stays on that two way deal and then. The other two-way deal, I'd probably put a big on, whether it's Kevin Gelly or Williams there. So that's your roster there, essentially. One big, one of those two wings, and Matt Ryan. And then I think that's what you're carrying into this season. Nothing too crazy. At this I, point. Still, I still think you got to add one veteran big of some kind. Um, just on yeah. the back end. Yep. Um, just give me one. Because to me, that's the one area where I'm most nervous about because, you know, Al was amazing this year. But you should expect Al for 70, 75 games. Uh, time Lord, I would like to expect it for 70, 70 case, but I don't think that's going to be happening. It's interesting, Josue. I don't know what they're going to do there. We've mentioned Dwight. There's some TP options. I did. I, I'd be. Brad said he'll do what it takes, and ownership will do what it takes. They're already like 50 million tax bill wise here. So for a backup big, I don't think they're going to shoot towards 60 million, 70 million in tax. Uh, so I think it's going to be one of these cheaper options, Josue. Do you have a name in mind? Honestly, got to be the minimum wage guy. Go ahead, Josue. Well, no, yeah. I was going to say either that or, honestly, I could see him waiting a few months for this, you know? Maybe doing it from within, seeing if they can develop someone, and then trying to go out and, and get someone who, who's going to play for the veteran minimum, you know? I mean, you, you kicked around a couple of names, right? Dwight Howard doesn't really. Uh, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is, is sort of interesting, but I just feel like Brad Stevens is not a Cousins guy. Like if he was No, a Cousins, he never has been. It, it would have happened a long, long, long time ago. Like, so why would he do it now? So I don't. There's no name that really strikes out to me because I just feel like this. Uh, this rotation is is set the way it is, and obviously there's going to be bumps along the road. But I, I think they'll be able to to try to address that, you know, uh, along the way with, the, with with one of the other TPEs or just for signing someone, you know, for the for the veteran minimum. I, I, I think that's the way that they'll they'll probably uh, start the season at least, and then and then go from there. So there's the back end of the roster. Celtics 3-1 and one in Summer League. They'll play one more, I believe, on Saturday, right, Sherrod? It's not going to be the championship, I don't think, because their differential wasn't high enough, but they were one of the better teams out here in Summer League. So we'll see who they end up playing. That should become clear at the end of tomorrow when the Summer League regular season schedule wraps up. Uh, so... Maybe we'll do a show for that. Maybe John will appear here back from his vacation. Jimmy getting mixed in. Uh, we do want to kick around the big news in the NBA today, though, before we let Sherrod go. And that's that the Pacers, new uh, new addition, 
Uh, Aaron Neesmith already on a roster here with some hype and some excitement, possibly with DeAndre Ayton joining the group. Expected to sign a four-year, $133 million offer sheet today with the Pacers. There's been a bunch of conflicting reports uh, with negotiations, I think, playing out in real time with the Suns saying that they're going to match this deal, which I'll believe it when I see it because they have never had any intention of paying this money to him. Uh, I think they're really just trying to angle the Pacers into doing a sign and trade here, which yeah, that's, which, what, that's exactly what they, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They want to yeah. get something of value for eight. And I totally get that. But if you're trying to put away bamboos and lead me astray to believe that you're going to resign him. If I were the Pacers, if, if, if the Pacers had any alternative and they returned to, they would absolutely call Phoenix's bluff. They yeah. absolutely would. But they know that DeAndre Ayton is exactly the type of player that they want to have on their roster going forward. Uh, and Phoenix, uh, if you're Phoenix, let's just cut the BS and just let's do a sign and trade. But the problem with that is, what does that really? I mean, Indiana, they, they have to find a way to make that something that Indiana wants to do. Because um, Indiana, at this point, they don't. There's no incentive for them to try to pull a sign and trade. They got the guy. They they they're willing to pay the money. He wants to leave Phoenix. All you're really doing, Phoenix, is slowing up progress for the sake of slowing up progress and try to get you some crumbs out of this. So I I anticipate he will be an Indiana Pacer. Uh, I don't think Phoenix will match it. They will try to do a sign and trade, and Indiana will say we're good. If you want him, cut him the check. If you don't, we're taking it. Period. We're done. The East gets better with this move, Josue. I like that roster quite a bit if Aiton's joining it. But what's your biggest reaction to this deal? I mean, that kills Phoenix if they lose him for nothing. They've been a championship contender here. There's some Durant connection here. That was possibly a piece that could have been used in a trade for Durant to Phoenix. And really, this doesn't leave Phoenix with a lot left to offer if this does end up going this direction. Yeah, I think that's the worst part, right, Bobby? Uh, I mean, if you're Phoenix, I think you just have to hold the L. <laughs> like, I hate to say it. I mean, I think they went into this offseason uh, ex- not expecting a team like the Indiana Pacers to offer him that much money. And, you know, them matching it right now, I just think it's a desperation move and trying to do a sign and trade. But they're going to have to get a third team involved. You know, there, 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 isn't, a, there isn't a center that's going to, you know, fill that void coming from the Indiana Pacers. And never mind when you start thinking, about the money wise and trying to match contracts and all that stuff so it's going to be hard they're going to have to try to get a third team involved and try to put something in the on the table that's going to entice that third team which team it is i don't know but the clock is ticking they're gonna have to do something really soon well i'll say this you got to thank phoenix for going cheap and actually putting eight out there on the market they could have got this deal done a year ago in extension negotiations and they just let it fly like you said, they were praying, Joe Sway, that the market stalled, and it almost did. But Indiana goes, makes that Malcolm Brogdon trade, which benefited the Celtics immensely, to clear that space and get in on the action here. And again, massive, massive benefit to the Celtics to be able to go and get Brogdon essentially on a salary dump there. They clear out the contracts that the Celtics sent back, and they wiggle out enough room here to offer eight in big money. So benefits all around from that deal. Phoenix. I don't love their ability to acquire Durant at this point, but who really does have an offer at this this Durant thing? The last time we spoke, we were kicking around Durant to the Celtics and Durant to this place, that place. Nobody really seems to have the interest to put out the asking price for the Nets right now, which, according to one report with Minnesota, was Towns, Edwards, multiple first-round picks, just an unheard-of kind of asking price from the Nets. And maybe they're doing that intentionally to bring Durant back to camp and tell him that there were no real suitors. But I actually look around the league, especially with the Ben Simmons contract, where you can't get Bam, you can't get Mitchell, you can't get uh, Booker and Phoenix. There's really nowhere for Durant to go right now, it seems, Sherrod. So is he just going to end up back in Brooklyn? I anticipate that he will be in Brooklyn up until the trade deadline. Because remember, you've got a lot of teams that have this, these, uh, these grandiose ideas that they're going to compete for a championship. And then once the regular season starts, reality will be like, no, you're not winning a championship. You're not competing for a championship. And that's when Brooklyn will be in position and have leverage to get something done. Uh, and again, I don't think, I think we are going to go into the season Kevin Durant as a Brooklyn net, but he will be traded before the trade deadline because teams will get desperate. They will see 
the opportunity to, if any, and for no other reason, you simply bring in a player with a significant draw and significant talent who, in his sleep, can get you 25 and 6 without any effort. Players like that do not come along very often. So, desperation is going to kick in. That's okay. Katie's going to get moved. What's what's the Rams' recourse though? Do you, can you imagine him going back to the Nets and playing after this? Yes, yes. Because at the end of the day, Kevin Durant is a baller. That's what ballers do. Is he going to be happy? No. Is he going to like say some sort of kind of but not really nice things to kind of smooth things out? Yeah, he'll he'll be that dude. He'll be that dude. But at the end of the day, he knows he's a, he's on borrowed time. He knows that his day to bounce is coming. It's not it's not a matter of of if but when that day is going to come but in the meantime let me go out here and drop my 25 and 7 call it a day where are you at on this Joe Swain I think if that happens Gerard, he's going to be dropping like 35 36 for the first month of the season like I, I think he's going to be out for he's going to be out for blood because of the narrative and because of what people are saying about him because quite frankly he may be a little embarrassed he probably thought that this was going to happen one way or another and if it's not happening, like Sherrod said, I think he, I think he's just gonna ball out. He's not gonna be the type of player who's gonna sit out and and sulk and and and, and wait for his, his organization to to find find him a team. He's gonna play. He's gonna compete. And maybe if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're hoping that he ends up sticking around for at least another year and trying to compete and and, and try to uh, get back into it. I mean, I, I think when the report initially came out, I wasn't surprised. But then after a week or so, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like, why not just run it back and just see what you got there first, right? I mean, look. Getting swept, they're not going to have a choice but to do that. I think at the end of the day, getting swept in the first round obviously isn't ideal. But you think about all the games that Kyrie missed, and maybe that doesn't happen again. But is this relationship too fractured at this point? I wouldn't say that. It's still, it's still too early. But he did ask for a trade, you know. So that's not gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be a little awkward at first. But maybe he sticks around for the first two, three months of the season, and 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 if they find some momentum, they're going to try to. Put guys around him. Try to make him as happy as possible. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have to. This is. But here's the problem, though. If if they if let's say they get off to a great start and he's balling out, they've got the best record in the NBA. How are you? How is that going? Now, obviously, your asking price would be significantly higher for a trade, but your fan base is going to be looking at you like, wait a minute, isn't this what we signed up for? For them to be balling out right here, getting us wins. Well, there's a Kyrie aspect to this too. Contracts, you know, four years. yeah, and we signed you long term. I mean, why, why are we trying to get rid of a guy that's that's winning games for us? Because if that guy don't want to be there at some point, he may very well Joe Sway to Joe Sway's point ball out. But if they're not like making what he believes sincere efforts to move him, he just might you know hand me feeling the tough a little part tight of this today. is we the Ugh. tough part of this is we I we sit. still don't really know we still don't really know why he wants out. Is it because of the way they treated Kyrie? Is it because he's done with Kyrie or done with the situation there as a whole? Like, that's the hardest part to parse out because if he was standing up for Kyrie, maybe there's still a a desire to play with him there for now and just see what happens over the course of the year. If he wants to move on from Kyrie, then they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him here because the Lakers apparently don't want to give up these picks that it would take to do some sort of rust uh, Russ Kyrie swap, which I don't think is realistic anyway, because I think Durant doesn't have a running mate there in Brooklyn. And it doesn't really seem like there's a Kyrie trade to be had elsewhere, even less so than Durant. So uh, they're stuck. And I don't love the idea of them running it back, especially when we don't know what Ben Simmons is going to provide. And uh, Steve Nash, is he going to be able to coach and connect all these personalities? Didn't do a great job with it last year. Just sounds like a mess to me. You can look at this roster on paper again, as we've done for three, four years in a row at this point, and say, this is great. Like, they just run this back. It's going to go awesome. But there's always been something that gets in the way of that. And I don't know what to expect next. Is Kyrie going to hold out for a contract? Is Durant going to say, I requested a trade. I'm not showing up. Who knows what's going to happen here, but I don't think any of it leads to the Nets getting back on their feet and looking good with this core again. I think this is done. Well, I mean, one of the guys that was sort of kind of in their core, who I, I just think they completely fumbled the bag when she was taking care of was Bobby Brown. Um, uh, not Bobby Brown. Uh, our, Bruce our, what's Brown. our guy named from Bruce Brown? Bruce Brown. The other yeah. B. The other B. Brown. Uh, Bruce Brown. Yeah, you know, you look at it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Jumping around. Bruce Brown's just jumping around right now with the new deal he got in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, but he, he, to me, Bruce left so much money on the table by going to Denver. And that, to me, says he wanted badly out yeah. of Brooklyn, where he was yeah. willing to leave way more money on the table just to go out somewhere, prove his value again in a different setting, and get the bag next summer. Yeah. Brooklyn's in trouble, man. I mean, if they run it back, I, I, I don't see that team coming together, even mm-hmm. if they get Joe Harris back, who I think will help them from a spacing standpoint. They, but they got problems, man. They got real, real, real big problems. <laughs> that that oh, not man. having Joe Harris was on the top of their list of problems for a while. Now it's like seventh on the list. <laughs> it's like they come along. <laughs> like, man, like I love to be a problem. I love the Lakers intersection of this too because right now feels like the whole t- hope of the Lakers organization is swapping out Russ for Kyrie and praying that Kyrie and LeBron rekindle some old magic there. And for some reason, and this I find so perplexing because I actually think that's a good idea. And now all of a sudden the Lakers are saying, we got to protect these picks. We're, we're not giving up our future picks to get this done. And it blows my mind because you're one year away from LeBron's free agency. This is I, boom or bust this season. And you're going to risk that by bringing back Russ and praying to the heavens that that works better because I don't think that worked 1% at all last year. It was an absolute disaster. And I don't think age one extra year is going to make it any better with Westbrook there. And you got this new coach in Darvin Ham, who I know you're close with, uh, Sherrod, like, He's trying to piece this together and make it work, but it didn't go that well for Frank Vogel, who I know is the scapegoat of last year, but he tried. He was saying all the same things Ham's been saying about how they're going to use Westbrook, and I just don't see it going well out there. They just got to pray that they can actually put those picks on the table and go get Kyrie. Like It seems like LeBron wants. They weren't sitting together at Summer League. I don't know how much you read into that, but couldn't have gone worse for Westbrook last year. I don't see it going any better next year, even with a new coach. Well, it's going to be really difficult and tricky for them to figure this out in the way the Lakers, I mean, and, and it makes sense. But I, I will say this about Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham will never be confused with Frank Vogel. Will never, ever, ever be confused. Darvin Ham, when you talk about, like, NBA tough guys when they play, Darvin Ham was that dude. When you talk about guys who have had some, some as Joe Sway likes to put it, some of those necessary uncomfortable conversations – Darwin has had those conversations with guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo. He has had those conversations <laughs> with guys who you would think that you would have to kind of defer to them. So Darwin is not going to have, I think, some of the issues some other coaches have had with, like, how to corral LeBron James and kind of get him to understand what you're doing and things like that. Now, is it going to be a smooth sailing excursion? Absolutely not. There are going to be ups and downs. But I think the bigger issue is is them having a roster of guys that are actually young enough to play more than 10 minutes a game. I mean, the roster that the Lakers have put together was great if this was five, six, seven, eight years ago. But that roster ain't going to be a damn slow. I mean, we saw how they got beat by a drum by damn near everybody. But, and if you bring back all those OGs again, guess what? You are going to have the same result. doesn't matter who the coach is. They got to get younger. And that's why the Lakers understand the importance of not – or chips all in with those picks because they are going to have to develop young talent. And um, frankly, Kyrie is just not worth it because even if you have him, that's not going to put that's not going to necessarily put you ahead of a lot of the teams out west who are coming on. I mean, one team that that hardly anyone talks about, which I'm a little surprised, is Memphis. I mean, they had the second best record in the damn West this year, so it's not like that team is going anywhere. They got a lot of contracts. They can make a play theoretically to add some experience. And, and be significantly better. But the bottom line is the Lakers, they need to balance between working with what they got but recognizing the need to keep some picks down the road to develop young talent. Uh, well, and, the and for- if you're Boston, yeah, and, and Boston, you're looking at them like, keep doing what y'all do. Oh, yeah. We're going to do what we do. We're going to do what oh, we yeah. do. So. That seems to be a theme here on this show. It's not going well for a lot of other places out there. I see Miami in this graphic. They're trying to shop Robinson, Hero, and a couple picks to whoever will take them. Not getting in on anything with that. And you talk about Utah, the one team I want to hit on before we get out of here. It sounds like they're going to listen to offers on Donovan Mitchell, which is a full-scale blow-up, rebuild, 
Will Hardy being coached there. We remember Windhorse with the fingers waving around. Looks like he knew stuff that was going to be coming down the uh, down the pipe there in Utah. And I don't think it's a bad idea to go all out rebuild here. Mitchell, I like. He's a good player, great scorer. But as a guy to build your organization around, as he gets a little bit older here, I, I don't know, especially starting from the ground floor like they're going to be doing there with Utah. If they can go out and get multiple, multiple, multiple years of first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell, I think it's worth your while there before his value possibly decreases. He's not going to have as good of a structure around him this year. Gobert's gone, just a bunch of pieces coming back. And I don't know how quickly you can rebuild that thing around him there. So I think it makes sense to move on from Mitchell. Now, where is he going? I don't know. Sherrod, you got any good landing spots that make sense for him? Well, not really. I mean, the New York Knicks is is the the obvious option. Uh, They want him desperately, and, you know, Danny Ainge will do what he can do to make that happen if it's reasonable. But if I'm I'm Utah and and I want lots and lots and lots of picks, I want to talk to OKC. Because OKC, I mean, they've got a treasure trove. And when you look at the way That's their team name. is built right now, when you look at the way their team is built now, they've got a lot of nice young pieces. But do they have that one savvy veteran, that all-star caliber veteran uh, in the fold? And, you know again, who Danny's asking for, though? He's going to be trying to get Chet. He'll be like, can we talk Chet? Chet not just Chet. I mean, let me get Chet. Let me get Giddy. Uh, let me get... I mean, that's that's Danny, and and to Danny's credit, you should ask for that. Closed mouth doesn't get fed. Oh, the worst, the, what's the worst going to happen? They can say, "Nope, we're not doing that." Okay, what time? It's gonna be that kind of gonna be that kind of team with Utah. Are you uh, are you high on Mitchell to Boston, Joe Sway? Is that an option here? Is that something that the Celtics should be thinking about if he's out there? Nah, nah, I'm not. Honestly, I'm out I'm on that too. Sport. Yeah, the way this course is, is is set right now, I want to see what they're made of. I want to see how they respond to the NBA Finals. So, and that would that that would shake things up in a big way. So, no, I'm not I'm not crazy about that. But it'll be interesting to see where he ends up for sure. But hold on, real quick before we get out of here, Charles, let me ask you a question. Did you uh your last time you spoke to, or maybe not the last time, but the significant time you spoke to Matt Ryan? Did you know he was pulling on those heartstrings? Because it takes a lot to evoke the right wording to get someone. That emotional man, and I, I think you did a you did, you did a good job with that, man. Did you know you? I did not that? see that coming. I would love to say that my sources told me that if you ask this and that and that, you're gonna get that result. <laughs> that didn't happen. It didn't happen. I mean, I'm watching him play, and, and you know his story is just so amazing that he's even it has even a sniff of being in the NBA. Um, and I just asked him about that because I'm watching him ball out. And, I, and this was after I'd already talked to some scouts about him. So I knew that he was a guy, even before the game winner, that a lot of folks were talking about here. Uh, and so I, I just kind of asked him about that and asked him about his journey, which, again, is an amazing story. And when he paused at first, I'm thinking, like, oh, he's just collecting his thoughts because he's about to say something really, like, like quote-worthy. And then he, the pause went that there's that awkward, like, three to four seconds beyond – the normal pause. I'm like, oh man, he's about to get like emotional about this. Um, shout out to Matt Ryan, though, man. I, he he gets props for that. Um, just being authentic, man. That's that's what he was feeling. And we always want players to just be real, be authentic, and he was. And I and one scout reached out to me after that, and he was actually more impressed with him after seeing that video than he was before. And he, and his, his and his text was just like dot dot dot. And I wish I could convince my team. To, to, to go after this guy because I love him. So, um, Matt's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. And when he gets that DoorDash commercial, yes, I'm, 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 that's what I'm waiting for. I'm, I'm waiting for him to get that DoorDash bag. That's what Everyone we need. Has a story, he needs the DoorDash man. bag. Yeah, man. No, 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 no question. I, I love that. No, I, I love that. Good work. Good work, Sharon, obviously. But yeah, look, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got, you know, obstacles that they had to go overcome to bring these opportunities. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really cool story, man, coming out of some of them. That was super cool. I mean, he was he was the guy on the sideline just in the plain clothes celebrating on the floor with the quarterback's name. Like, we didn't know anything about him when he was on the Celtics through that stretch run there. He was a guy who didn't play. So to see him out here not only killing it, but getting to hear that story was one of the cool things about the league. Sherrod's still out there. He's there for the long haul. He'll be – 
possibly see in the last game. I think that'll be on Saturday, Sherrod. Will you still be out there for that last Celtics game, wherever it is? I may or may not be. I may exercise my player option and and, and, and just yeah, early I mean, termination of things. Um, but we'll see. We'll if see. you can survive the full summer league, more power to you. I mean, every single day. I've done it before, money. and it's, 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 it's not – would not advise anyone to do it if you don't have to. There's a so lot I, of reasons, probably, yep. Yeah, I probably will be exercising my player option and terminate this thing early. So we'll see. Whether, whether it's 100-degree weather, the money flying out of your pocket, or whatever it is, the late nights, it's there's a lot of things getting you out of Vegas early. But if you want to restart your health when you get back and get in a good place, go over to athleticgreens.com slash garden get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with the supplement itself, which is just – full of dozens and dozens of vitamins uh probiotics stuff for your gut check it out go over to athleticgreens.com read more about it It tastes great again that tropical taste mix it with your water in the morning and you're good to go for the day and it again i've been using it my mom my uncle we've all been feeling better using it more energetic more healthy and again along with some other stuff in your uh in your diet and exercise routine it can put you in a good place pretty fast so athleticgreens.com slash garden they'll throw out those bonuses one year supply of vitamin d which is incredible and five travel packs to bring it with you on the road vacation whatever you're doing this summer go check it out ton of good stuff over there great stuff today from joe sway and ace rod blakely out there in vegas Appreciate you both being back here for an impromptu garden report, and we'll be back soon with the full collective, hopefully, uh, talking about some other moves as the Celtics round out their roster this summer. Three spots to fill. Could it be some of these summer league guys? A two-way spot as well. Uh, we'll keep tabs on that over at clnsmedia.com. Of course, Joe Sway checking in on Max through the summer with the Cedric Maxwell podcast, as well as the Causeway Street podcast, Sherrod. Still talking to Kwani Lunas, who was on some videos out there with us in Vegas. And Gary Washburn, still covering Summer League as well. Uh, so check out more from them on the A-List podcast. And uh, New Dome Theory coming either tonight or tomorrow. So stay tuned for that as well, uh, talking Summer League. And the other takeaways around the league, a lot of st- fun stuff, whether it was Paolo, chat. I didn't catch a ton of chat. Didn't catch as much of the Bayheims as I wanted to out there, but I did see Paula, did see quite a bit of Keegan Murray. A lot of really fun performances out there, as always. So thanks to everybody for following along with our coverage. Uh, thanks to Joe Sway Shride again for being here. And we'll tune in or uh, check in with you guys again here on the Garden Report soon. Follow at Celtics CLNS Media to see when we're going live again, as well as Celtics All Access and CLNS Media. Hey, hey Bobby. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Hey, before we go, one last thing. Uh, we're probably going to have a newly named Celtic on the A-List podcast next week. More details later. Um, so be on the lookout for that. One of the new newest members of the, of the Celtics family uh, should be on our, our podcast next week. So stay tuned. There we go. Can't beat that. Big A-List podcast coming up with a new Celtic. Stay tuned for that. And that's our show for today. 